As a child, you watched so many films that you probably would struggle to recall them all. But there is one film that stands out amongst the rest, and for all the wrong reasons. You recall, sitting there, in the dead of night, having sneaked out of your bedroom to enjoy some alone time with the TV, because your mum always says you should be sleeping, rather than staying up watching. But, as usual, you ignore her. That's when you notice a new film, lying there in front of you. The Aristocats, but only, it's not the family-friendly film you'd come to expect. Quite the opposite. Welcome listeners, today's story is Lost Episodes Can Be Found Again, by Hopeless Night Owl, and a multi-part series tale that I'll be covering today and on Friday. Right now, I'm enjoying the loveliest of creamed honey teas to keep me warm, as it's cold over here in Australia. So wherever you are, I hope you, just like my drink, is just right. So turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and whatever you do, watch what your kids watch. I'm going to tell you a secret, but first, you have to promise me you won't laugh. This is still an uncomfortable subject for me, so I'd appreciate your understanding. Do we have a deal? Good. When I was five years old, I watched a movie no child should ever see. I don't remember much about the circumstances of my viewing, other than it was at the house where my family lived, late at night, in the dark with only the television providing light. The film was an animated feature and depicted themes of animal cruelty, death, and dismemberment. The scenes were surreal and terrifying, and left a deep impression on me. For years afterward, the only scene I could remember, clearly, was when an evil woman was drowning a family of cats in a stream, which I would have nightmares about for years afterward. I remember seeing it early in the movie, followed by many more disturbing and surreal scenes. Remember your promise, because this is the part I was talking about. I never told anyone about what I saw, but the name of the movie was well known. The Aristocats. I suppose I can forgive you if you broke your promise, but I must emphasize that I am not joking. I saw a movie called The Aristocats filled with the scenes I have described and it scarred me for life. I didn't think about the experience very often, but it was always in the back of my mind in some way. Though I didn't realize it at the time, I know now that it caused me to shy away from animation and children's shows. It subtly informed my whole outlook on the trappings of childhood. I found myself bracing with dread whenever I had to watch any children's animation in school. My childhood was relatively normal otherwise, for an introvert, anyway. But every once in a while, I would think back to the movie and found my inner peace disturbed. It wasn't until maybe third or fourth grade that I started to realize that my experience with the movie had not been typical. I didn't tell anyone, not even my parents, about what I had witnessed in that dark room at age five but I eventually figured out on my own that there was nothing horrific about the version everyone else had watched. 
I still wasn't willing to see it by myself, but I figured if they had seen what I had, I would have been able to tell whenever they spoke of the film. Anyone who had anything to say about it seemed to consider it either a nostalgic classic or unremarkable. When I was in middle school, I asked my mum if I had ever seen The Aristocats. She said I had, once, having stayed up past my bedtime and watched it secretly. She said I seemed strangely disturbed by the film, and I had never wanted to watch it again as a small child. I asked if we still had it in the house, but she said I had been so afraid of the movie that she had thrown it out. It had been a home VHS recording she bought at an estate sale, rather than a retail copy. I finally decided to watch the movie again. I ordered it from the library and watched it one Saturday. It took me a couple of hours to work up the courage to finally hit play. I found it to be a wonderful film. Immediately I realized that whatever I remembered seeing at age 5 had nothing to do with this movie. There was no graphic violence, no psychedelic scenes, nothing that should have traumatized me as a child. And yet, what I had seen all those years ago definitely shared elements with this movie. The kittens and their mother were drugged and kidnapped, not drowned. But I instantly recognized the moments heading up to this divergence, and almost had a flashback to the cartoon drowning I had witnessed. I was hoping to find closure, but instead, I was more troubled than ever. There was no question in my mind that I had viewed some awful and perverted version of this classic film. I told one of my friends about it a few days later. I didn't let him know how convinced I was of what I had seen as a young child. Instead, simply relating it as a vague and confused memory. Like, hey, the other day I saw the Aristocats. I used to be terrified of that movie because for some reason I thought I saw gore scenes and cats drowning when I watched it at five years old. Funny how your memory plays tricks on you at that age, isn't it? He told me about the movie Felidae. He explained that it was an animated movie about cats with a similar animation style that contained graphic gore scenes and was definitely not for children. He said maybe I had somehow seen that movie instead of the Aristocats. I streamed and watched Felidae. I saw what my friend meant about the style having the same feel as the Aristocats, except dark and bloody. But it wasn't what I had seen. I knew. I knew for sure that five-year-old me had watched a movie with the same characters as the Aristocats. And I also knew for sure that it had contained bizarre and disturbing scenes, not shown in the mainstream version. This whole thing was driving me up the wall to try and get some kind of closure. I started seeking out and watching old children's animation that contained graphic and disturbing elements that would never be included today, such as Watership Down, the 1978 version. While these works were interesting and gripping in their own way, they were decidedly non-Disney. While other studios may have been willing to take such risks with their works decades ago, the fact that The Aristocats is a Disney property made me sure that the version I had first seen was something I was absolutely not supposed to. Ever. I let it go after a while. A few years passed. And in college I learned about this internet urban legend called Lost Episodes. People claim to have seen episodes of TV shows or altered versions of movies, usually animated, that contained graphic and disturbing content. The episode or movie was often found in unexpected places 
and those claiming to have seen it often said it mysteriously disappeared, whether through a VHS tape appearing to have somehow self-erased, a website going dead immediately after viewing, etc. To be honest, I didn't put much stock in the validity of these stories, but with my aristocrat experience still in the back of my mind, I decided to look further into it. I found a YouTube channel called Cartoon Geek, who was discussing a certain lost episode for his 40,000 subscriber special. After going through the obligatory thanks and talking about how much his subscribers meant to him and all that, he began. Now, for those of you who are new to this channel, I'm basically just a guy obsessed with all things nostalgic and geeky about cartoons and other media. Most of my content is simply reviewing old cartoons and whatnot, usually superhero related. However, I also do a side series on the strange and creepy side of animation. For example, my Twitchy case subspecial was a three-part series on Disney and their alleged subliminal messages in film and television. And this video you're watching now is sort of in that same vein. We're going to be taking another look at a certain lost episode. For those who don't know, lost episodes are basically this urban legend about episodes of TV shows which were lost. As the name implies, these episodes are said to contain graphic and or disturbing and surreal elements and are generally regarded as material that the public was not meant to see. So to recap, in 2009 this anonymous internet post started circulating online about an alleged lost version of this scene. In it, the dynamic duo actually do slide into the furnace, burn alive, scream, and are shown graphically being burned to a crisp. Followed by surreal and non-linear scenes of grieving friends of Bruce Wayne in mourning and the funeral service. Now, when I did my first video on this subject, I was honest with you guys. I didn't really think there was much credibility to this story. I like to keep an open mind on this show, but there was just certain elements of the post that made me say, okay, this is probably bullshit. Like how the tape conveniently erased itself after the anonymous author viewed it. But since then, I've gotten a lot of comments and emails talking about how allegedly this lost episode has been posted online. Naturally, a lot of you are already saying this is fake, but this topic won the poll for this special, so let's find out. After some preamble, the video cuts to the alleged lost episode. At the part where Batman and Robin are sliding down the tunnel toward the furnace, all the parts where the two used their belt gadgets to get free were removed, and when the two were close to the furnace, the screen filled with fire, and two poor quality shrieks played. After that, there were some strange abstract scenes, but all of these seemed to be simply random clips from other episodes with some editing effects thrown at them. Cartoon Geek returned. Okay, so right off the bat, Batman and Robin die off screen, which is obviously not what happened in the lost episode post that was shared around. They basically just used the flames from earlier in the scene and cut them over to make it look like Batman and Robin died, adding in a canned scream effect. The surreal scenes that follow are also just random clips from throughout the show with various editing tricks applied. I could have done some of them myself. So while this is impressive work, I think it's pretty clear that this is a fan project inspired by the anonymous post. I'm going to rate this animation myth as debunked for now. He gave some more breakdown and deconstruction of the clip, before ending with some kind of promotional giveaway. What really got my attention, however, were some of the comments. 
there were at least a few people insisting that the lost episode was real and that they had seen it with their own eyes. I PM'd to one of these people. I asked if he had really seen the episode and about the circumstances. He responded within the hour. Yeah, I was at summer school and during recess I snuck off to the school's library back room to be alone. I put a VHS of the cartoon that was there and saw it. Honestly, I wasn't really disturbed back then, since my parents let me watch R-rated horror movies and stuff back then. <laughs> Lol. But yeah, man, this thing is real. I asked if he knew any information about the other supposed lost episode phenomena, but he said he did not. I did some research of my own. There were a few lost episode stories floating around on the internet, mostly about children's shows. To be honest, not many of them seemed all that credible. Still, I strongly felt there was something real here behind all the embellishment and fictionalization. I decided to see if there were any such stories surrounding the Aristocats. My searches for disturbing content in the movie returned nothing but the expected <laughs> this one scene in the Aristocats totally scarred me for life as a kid stuff or more information about the Felidae movie. I tried reaching out to some of the credited animators, writers, and crew members, varying the content of my emails so as to cast as wide a net as possible. For example, some of my emails focus on disturbing content that may have been cut, while other drafts ask more generally about alternative versions or cut scenes. I also expanded my web searches. I used all the search engine tricks I could find, and started using obscure and foreign language engines. After a few months of no information, and no responses to my email queries, I started to think that maybe I should just forget about the whole thing. Maybe my real memories of watching the Aristocats had merged with some nightmare I had to create my present memories, and maybe repeating those memories to myself so many times during my childhood had falsely convinced me of their reality. I was about to consign to the newfound self-closure when I found something during one of my foreign language searches. It was a thread on a Chinese message board. The OP had a JPEG image and text that roughly translated to Aristocats movie. Creepy? If I had had a coffee to drop and spill all over my computer, I would have. The image dashed away any hope I had of passing off my childhood experience as just a traumatic nightmare that had stuck in my head longer than it should have. It was a frame from whatever twisted version of the Aristocats I had seen. And while I hadn't actually remembered this particular still, until I found this message board, the instant I saw it I remembered the clip, and memories started flooding back, still vague but vivid and definitely real. I was now more firmly convinced than I had ever been before, that the violent version of the movie was real. The image was of the black kitten, Berlioz, his face nearly filled the frame and his eyes were wide and terrified. Red veins bulging, his fur standing up as if charged with electricity. The picture itself wasn't any more inherently disturbing than the grotesque fan art you can find for all kinds of different shows and movies, but unlike those other images, I knew this one had a genuinely sinister story of some kind behind it. As such, it haunted me like no other image ever had. There were only a couple of replies on the thread, both of which were short and neither of which provided any information about the image. I used Google Translate to try to ask the OP for more information, 
but never received a response. I performed a reverse image search of the file, but it returned no other results. However, a few weeks later, I finally got a reply, one of the emails I had sent to the production staff. The reply was to one of the emails I had written that hinted more strongly at the reality of what I had seen as a kid. The response was short and curt, but gave me new hope of finding answers. Hello, sorry for the late response, but I read between the lines of your message and if you've seen what I think you are hinting at, you need to look into the Lost Media Group. That's all I'm going to say on the subject. I googled Lost Media Group, but the closest thing I could find was a website for an online club called the Lost Media Society. It was a site for media enthusiasts to collect, trade, sell, buy, and discuss lost media. Including lost episodes, as in real lost episodes that simply never aired. Not the urban legend ones that contain surreal, disturbing, or even supernatural content. This community was interesting in its own right, and I became involved with it, eventually even becoming a site moderator. Once I was established as a respected regular, I decided to PM one of the head admins and ask him about the lost episode legend. He responded that he had heard of it, but it wasn't really something the site dealt with. He recalled that in the past it had been talked about, and some had even suggested banning discussion about it since it was seen as a spam topic after a while. I asked if he knew about an organization called the Lost Media Group. He said he had heard of it, but didn't know anything about it, and suggested that I contact a certain other admin who did know more about this entity. I messaged this admin and got a response within the hour. He told me the Lost Media Group was the group alleged by some to be behind the Lost Episodes phenomenon. According to him, they produced not just altered versions of movies and television episodes, but were also said to make their own versions of other media, such as video games and comic books. He said he did not know much else about them, other than some lost media collectors were willing to pay large sums for an authentic work by this group, and that before the Lost Media Society had banned discussion of the Lost Episodes legend, some of these collectors had asked about them on the site. I asked if he could refer me to such a collector. He said my best bet would be a certain retired site admin who was no longer active in the Lost Media Society. He linked me a couple of archive threads by this individual asking about lost episodes and gave me the man's email address. I shot him an email asking about his interest in lost episodes. I shot him an email asking about his interest in lost episodes and even went as far as to directly ask him if he knew about a lost episode type version of the Aristocats. A few months went by with no response. During this time I researched as much as I could about lost episodes. I found out about another alleged lost episode of the Flintstones. The story behind this episode was much like other lost episode stories. A special episode out of the show aired on an otherwise unused television channel and had gory and surreal content. The main difference between this story and the others was that this one had a somewhat credible outside source. The original forum post had a link to a digitally archived local news article from 1979. The FCC had received complaints from dozens of people claiming to have seen the episode. The complaints came from the Lake Capitagama region of Minnesota, with most originating from a couple of specific lake resorts. The incident was locally known as the Capitagama Broadcast. I decided the next logical step 
was to contact the FCC for more details. They responded within a week saying that unfortunately, they were not at liberty to give out such information. At that moment, I considered filing a Freedom of Information Act request, but decided to take a different route. One of the two lake resorts most heavily involved with the incident was still in operation. I scheduled a vacation from work, and a few weeks later, I was on my way to Lake Capitagama. Clex Cove was a collection of 15 cabins, a bar restaurant, and a small boat dock with boats available for lease. I had rented an old A-frame unit and planned to stay for two weeks. The resort was a nice place to stay. I spent a few days fishing and seeing local attractions. I fell in with a group of regulars who fish at the resort every year. We went on several boat trips before I had enough courage to ask the oldest of them about the Kabatogama broadcast. Oh, that funny thing. I actually just missed out on the whole thing. It happened a week before I stayed here in summer of 79. I heard a lot about it though. You'll want to talk to Ed about it. He was there. He was referring to Ed Kleck, the founder and proprietor of Kleck's Cove. I had considered asking him about the Kabatogama broadcast before, but wanted to feel out the locals first. However, at this point, I decided I was being overly cautious and chose to follow the man's advice. Mr. Kleck was in his late 70s, but his memory was still sharp. He liked to tell stories, and I took advantage of this by starting a conversation with him about the history of the resort and the lake. This got him going for a couple of hours before I brought up the Kapitagama broadcast. Now, why do you want to know about that? He asked, seeming taken aback. I told him I had read about it on the internet and what the story said. He shrugged and said, Oh well, that's pretty much what happened. Nothing much else to tell, really. I asked if he had seen the episode, to which he responded they had caught the end of the broadcast after being told about it as it was happening. He said he saw Barney die a horrible and bloody death in some faux Stone Age contraption, but didn't remember much else. He was reluctant to continue the conversation much further, but assured me that the incident was very much real indeed. I pondered all I had learned on my drive home. I had been left with more questions than answers, and didn't seem to be getting any closer to tracking down the Aristocats' lost recording. The more I learned, the more new questions came up. Was the disturbing Aristocats version I had seen connected to the Kapitagama broadcast or the alleged Batman and Robin lost episode? Or was I making connections where there were none? Did that person on YouTube who claimed to have seen the Batman lost episode really see it? Or had he just been trolling me? Surely all these claims couldn't be coincidental, but there was no explanation for the existence of these lost episodes. While I was churning all this new information over in my mind, I didn't notice the vehicle behind me until it was right up on my bumper. I swerved as I made contact and careened into a ditch. The other car drove on without stopping. I wasn't injured, in fact my airbag hadn't even deployed, but I sat in shock for many, many minutes afterward. When I finally got my bearings, I called 911 and told them my location based on the nearest mile marker. It took about 45 minutes for a state officer to find me. I told the police what had happened, but wasn't able to provide much details such as the make and color of the car that had hit me or the license plate. I did not tell them what business I was on, or my lingering suspicion that the incident had to do with my investigation of the Capitagama broadcast. Well, looks like our investigator is digging too deep. What on earth do you think he'll find? 
Perhaps there is a hidden market for these tapes, something dark and mysterious, a network of hidden episodes. Either way, we're going to find out Friday, folks. If you want to support this show and give it some love, you can donate to the podcast with Patreon to keep it growing. Those that donate $5 or more per month will not only have a story narrated and an episode dedicated just for them, but they'll be in every shoutout that I can fit into each episode. And speaking of shoutouts and awesome people, here are my Earl Grey Enforcers. Matthew J. Bauer, Chad Warren, Andrew Benezzi, Lorraine Crescento, Mace Joe, and Peter Raffaelli. Thank you so much for showing the show some love. And thank you all for listening. Stick with me Friday for the continuation of this tale by Hopeless Night Owl. And as always, till next, we meet.